Welcome to the planevents.ca podcast. This is your host, Kamran, and today is May 30th, 2020. In today's episode, we have a returning guest. We have Akhil here. He was a guest on our first episode back on March 15th, 2020, where we discussed his ongoing challenges with having to possibly, at the time, possibly postpone his wedding, um, dealing with at least one vendor uh, who wasn't uh, was refusing to give any sort of refund on the deposit. And so that was two and a half months ago. The reason we're bringing him back on today is we think for many of our listeners, it'll be helpful for them to hear about what other, what someone else is going through or has already gone through. And maybe, um, the, you know, Akhil will be able to also share key learnings um, and about what worked, what didn't work, and how, how he's kind of adapted his wedding plans um, based on what has happened in the last few months. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Akhil. Akhil, can you give us a quick reintroduction for people who might not have heard the first episode? And then um, let's dive into what's been going on for you and your wedding plans. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Um, just a quick recap on the last episode. I think at that time, um, our vendor deposit for our venue was um, in jeopardy a bit um, because they said they would not refund it. They would just apply it towards a future date and then the future dates really um, worked at all with anyone in our family, mainly because it was on like a Sunday night and we had people coming in from out of town. So they would have to miss like a few days of work or things like that, where um, it just wasn't really sitting right as much with us. And um, so luckily we had event insurance because the venue required us to get um, insurance and that insurance just happened to have um, pandemic coverage. I don't think it's necessarily pandemic coverage. It's probably act of God coverage or something like that. But um, that ended up getting us most of our deposit back there. So um, by sheer luck, that that kind of sorted itself out. Um, now we kind of have a different set of problems that we'll kind of um, probably talk about that just stem with juggling how to discuss um, like the rescheduling of our events with people and with stuff still up in the air about coronavirus and when everything's going to be opened back up. It's a little bit of, of a risk, I would say, sure. no when you plan it. So I know back in March, it sounded like the venue was not going to give a refund back. And right. And now, in that since then, they have given it sounds like most of the of that deposit back. What happened? Mm. Did you like with the insurance? Like, was it? Did you just realize at some point? Oh, we have insurance, or was it like the vendor that realized that you know insurance would cover? Like, what happened exactly? Yeah, it, it was a multi-step process. Where at the beginning, they told us that they're not canceling any events on their side. You can just continue to hold your event um, and we're not going to stop you. Otherwise, you completely forfeit your deposit altogether. Then as it got closer, the government started being a lot more serious about it and said, no, we will make it a criminal act to have any gatherings over 50 people. So they had no choice but to say, all right, we have to cancel your event. You can't hold it here. You can reschedule it to a later date, right? 
And then right. at that point, none of those later dates worked for us. Um, so it's kind of like, do we just lose our deposit completely? And we had to do a bit of um, research there. And we were thinking of just like, obviously, instead of losing a deposit, you would rather take a date that doesn't work for you, even if it is a Sunday or a Thursday or whatever, right? Like it's a lot right. of money that we're talking about. So that was our plan B was to just pick a date that even though it's not ideal, um, we could salvage some of that with. But then doing more research, we realized the we called up the insurance company that we got that event insurance to, went back and forth with them about the information they needed and ended up kind of working out there. So to answer your question, it wasn't the venue that suggested it. It was just us doing more research and remembering that, hey, they made us get event insurance for liability purposes. I wonder if by chance it does cover this. Um, got it. So essentially, the, the venue made you get this event insurance and it sounds like when you wanted to get your deposit back, they were just like, no, you have to use it. Right, right. And instead of them suggesting to look into the insurance they required you to get, you had to look into it yourself. Like you had to kind of proactively do that and you had to investigate and work directly with the insurance company to see what would be covered, right? Exactly, exactly. And just to clarify, if people out there don't know, a lot of venues will require you to get insurance that reduces their liability on it. It just happened that ours covered us for more than just liability on the day of, but for cancellations and after God. I, I see. And so, so the, 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 the my, my assumption is the insurance is what gave you most of that money back, right? It wasn't from right. the right so that way the venue doesn't lose anything and yeah yeah so, so the, the venue really got to keep the deposit the insurance company that we had paid is the one who kind of had to shell it out to us at the end of the day okay god what was that process like with the uh insurance company were they like sure we'll do it or was it kind of a multi-step process as well a little bit of a multi-step process that honestly wasn't as big of a headache as I imagined. And they were pretty accommodating, especially with um, this whole coronavirus time. I think they had to call the venue, ask them a few questions. And then it even covers, I, I just, I vaguely remember talking about this during our last podcast too and suggesting people get event insurance because they would cover things like for Indian events, it doesn't um, apply, but like even your tuxedo rental, if you needed to for a non-Indian event, they would refund that or deposits lost for a designer um, and other vendors as well. It's not only the, the venue also, which is pretty incredible. Wow, that is that is really, really good. I'm, what is the name of the company? And I don't know if it's necessarily gonna be available in Canada, but at least for listeners in the US, I'm assuming that the insurance company is US based. Like what is the name of that company? Do you know? Auto and home through Allstate. So we had just called <laughs> us when the, the um, venue required insurance asked if they had provided that as well, since they've been pretty good with us for our home and auto and they had a decent rate for it. So we just went with them without like, I think normally I would probably just like research what the cheapest insurance for events is and then get that just to satisfy their concern but in this case i'm glad i didn't because it ended up covering a lot more wait um, so you used your you used all state like that auto yeah. and 
Oh, in- interesting. I didn't realize uh, they had. It wasn't the auto and home policy. It was an additional like event insurance policy. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I just didn't know that. I mean, when I see Allstate, I, uh, those ads, I just think about home and car insurance. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I never definitely. really think about um, like event insurance. You know, it's kind of on, right. it's on the periphery. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so after that, I guess, uh, what else happened beyond, you know, it sounds like you got the insurance, uh, well, yeah, you got the insurance to cover most of the deposit for the venue. Um, now what's going on? It was a pretty interesting process. Um, I want to say coincidentally, but now that I think about it, it probably isn't coincidental that literally like every vendor that we had booked before ended up refunding the deposit because they were booked pretty much for the rest of the year, right? So, I mean, with coronavirus, they've lost everything from March to June and are rescheduling them. So it even becomes more competitive to get later dates later on um, with the same people and almost impossible. So we kind of had to start from square one, finding new um, vendors for for everything going on there we settled on a date at the end of august which is coming up pretty quick now so it's kind of a race against um when things get lifted so for example i know june 1st is when they're lifting religious wedding ceremonies of 50 people or less can happen and that's only for the religious ceremony as well. That's not even including like receptions or things of that nature. So it's kind of a race against how the phases um, unravel yeah. here. And that's in Washington State, right? That's like a is that a Washington State ruling? I imagine it's like Washington, California, and Oregon, but okay. I'm not completely sure. I know it's Washington for sure. Got it. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but um, along with that. There's the other hurdle of my family's from California and her family's from Seattle, like we discussed earlier. So it's a lot easier for like our friends and family who are in Seattle for us to tell them and to be for them to be able to say yes or no pretty easily. But I mean, not knowing what restrictions are going to look like in August for California or the Canada border or things like that, um, it makes it a little bit confusing on that end. Sure. That, yeah, that makes sense. So you ended up uh, going with end of August, so like in less, basically we'll say like less than three months from now. Right, right. Did you have to, did you, were you able to keep any of your vendors or did you literally have to start with, start from scratch? Literally, I think it's only like the photo booth that we had to keep just because like they have so many people um, hired underneath them that it's hard for them to be completely booked with everyone on their staff for a day so they were able to accommodate us but photographer videographer dj pretty much everything you had to start from scratch got it okay that makes sense did you do anything differently uh when you started from scratch after you know you, you obviously learned a lot after having to jump through the covid related hurdles for your original date in march did you do anything differently uh, when you replanned for the end of August? I would say our approach kind of got flipped on its head a little bit, right? Because before, when you have a year plus to plan, you kind of, um, have the liberty of shopping around a bit, seeing who you like, seeing what their available dates are like. Hey, if I really like this photographer a lot, 
maybe I won't choose this date with the venue and I'll go a date with the venue that that photographer is available or whoever the vendor that you really like it. Right. Mm-hmm. But in our case, having to have it done really. And like it being unrealistic to postpone it to like 2021 or after we had a limited set of dates that we could choose. So we had to choose the date first. Then we kind of had to go to each vendor. And our first question was, are you available on this date? There's no point in let's like even getting pricing or anything if you're not available. Right. So we had to take a different approach that way where the date was the most important thing rather than like the budget or what photographer or what vendor we're getting being the deciding factor there, if that makes sense. Got it. So did you end up, do you think this August wedding will cost more than what your March wedding would have cost? I think it'll be fairly similar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be fairly similar there. Um, Just because it kind of came with positives and negatives where we kind of got in that window of a lot of people weren't booking these vendors during that time because it was a little bit of a questionable time period, right? So these people... Obviously, if you're a business person, you're a vendor, you want to get those deposits in better to like secure your livelihood and not have to wait later. So they're a little bit more willing to work with you a little bit as well. I see. For the, uh, so I I assume the reception is going to be your biggest event in terms of people who had the guest list count, right? Right. It's it's a little confusing. So what we were planning on doing before is having the ladies and the wedding in uh, Seattle and the reception in California, mm-hmm. which has kind of had to get flipped on its head a little bit, um, where the ladies Sangeet in they uh, see culture is supposed to be before the wedding, right? And the reception's after the wedding. And right. the wedding is supposed to be before noon, any day before noon. Right, so if we were to do the Lady Sangeet and the wedding, they weren't available with our venue on Friday night. Right, so our option was either to have the wedding Friday at noon or to do a party after the the wedding and call it like a Seattle party, Seattle reception or whatnot, right? Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, so it got a little bit jumbled up and a little bit confusing where there's like a wedding here and then the Seattle reception party and then the reception in LA. So yeah, there's kind of two receptions where, I don't know, um, so the traditionalists, it might be a big deal, but obviously we have to, for me and Sharon, we have to do what we have to do with uh, the pandemic. And everything going on. Sure. So, so essentially, uh, you're going to have a, like the actual reception in California? Right, right. And the actual wedding religious ceremony also in California? No, no, that's here in Seattle. Oh, that's okay. So then, so first you'll do the reception in California, the actual reception? No, no, sorry. So it's wedding (laughs) here in Seattle. Then Uh, we have a reception here in Seattle. And then we have a reception in California a couple weeks. Okay, I see, I see. And which of those is the Seattle wedding, the... I don't know what to call it, like the Sangeet that has now turned into a reception, or is that the California? That's the Seattle one, yeah. Okay, so, so, and what, which one is happening? So, is 
the are the events in California happening first or Seattle? The Seattle ones are. So the wedding and what was the Sangeetan is now like after the wedding is in Seattle. And then a couple okay. weeks later is the reception. In- so Seattle is basically like uh, Sangeet converted into a reception. Right, right, right. Exactly. Okay. And how, how? what's the guest count on that? Um, Both are probably around 300 to 350. I mean, that also is a little bit up in the air depending on, like I said earlier, like the people from out of town who feel comfortable or don't feel comfortable traveling. Sure, yeah, because I think one of the common concerns of um, a lot of our listeners is, well, I think for most of them, they just didn't, they just chose to either have a, like a, let's just call it like a 10-person wedding, um, right. which is a very small fraction of, of listeners this year, right? Uh, but right. the rest of them have looked, decided to book mostly, rebook to mostly 2021. And the primary reason for that is they weren't sure about what the future holds for the next few months. Um, they also weren't sure about, you know, what social distancing and large gathering rules, how those, those might or might not change in the upcoming few months. So I'd be interested right. to know, and probably the listeners as well, like, you know, at the end of this August, planning for a guest list of, let's say, up to 350 people, what is, you know, what do you have in mind for having to kind of, if if there are, if you do have to uh, reduce, have a reduced guest list, like, what is, how, how would you kind of manage that? Um. Let me think of how to answer this question because there are there are a couple of things like I don't want to um, dissuade the other people thinking about like 2021 or make them even more concerned as well. But the whole problem with this as well is like it's coming in waves. That's why we're doing social distancing, right? So it's just to lower the the wave hit that comes so that hospitals can keep up with like what's happening, right? So there's nothing. In my mind, when I was thinking about it, there's nothing to say that that second wave isn't going to hit in January, February, March, and we have to go back to quarantine. Right. Right. So it's a, it's a little bit up in the air there as well. And also, this is more like personal to our situation, but we got married in December, like I mentioned as well. We had our court marriage there. So even like doing a 10 person or so wedding, it's not like of high importance to us because in our mind, we've already like, we're already married right right so and it becomes a little strange to have been married last december and then get married again in 2021 like almost a year and a half or two years later yeah because you got right? married december 2019 court marriage and then yeah you'd push to yeah yeah I so see. in our mind we kind of made a decision that hey either way it's going to be a risk whether we plan to do it in 2021 or we plan to do it in later in 2020 if it gets postponed again, like we're not going to invite people to a wedding a third time. We're just going to say, thank you guys very much. Like we're, we're completely happy. We're married. It's fine. So you just wouldn't have the event at all. If, 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 if it was, if that came down to it, probably if we had to reschedule again, then we're probably not going to do it a, a third time. Would you, oh, sorry, sorry, go for it. would you, would you consider, having a smaller event and keeping the August event, like let's say instead of 300, like 
just let's just say you keep it to only like your your immediate fan like your blood relatives and um you know your i guess your closest friends like whoever like your groomsmen or whatever like would you do something like that or is, is even that like 300 people 350 people no 300 350 people but i mean like with that obviously we're open to it but we just have to wait at this point you know what i mean like even with my parents there's so many hypotheticals that we can go through and that we have gone through there's just a point where i have to say you know what we're just gonna wait it out and then play it by ear when it comes around like yeah i agree I we agree. don't have, yeah we don't have enough information to make like any decision right right so how have the gear so you got new vendors Right. I would hope that the vendors are aware of the situation that they are kind of signing up for, essentially uh, g gigs during a period of uncertainty. Uh, how have you worked with them to make sure that, you know, you, you got your bases covered, but also, you know, the vendors are doing their own due diligence to have their own bases covered? Because one of the common problems, at least in BC, is... Um, and I, I'm not going to take a stance on this. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's the right thing to do. But from what I understand, a lot of the vendors in BC and maybe outside of BC, they not they, they those deposits are very much treated as like regular revenue, as in they live off of those deposits. So, of yeah. um, like they're, they're, for that reason, many are just they just can't. I don't want to say they can't afford. To give the deposit back because each vendor has their own financial situation but that giving the deposit back it sounds like it would infringe on their let's just their living conditions or their you know their standard of living whatever that might be um so i'm wondering like have how has that kind of negotiation kind of worked with the vendors that you cho have chosen now um that's a little bit that's a good, really good question, and that's a little bit difficult to say. I mean, for one, every vendor that we talk to has been like, "Yeah, we're we have to be back in force by then. Things are going to be fine." So, of course, we're taking bookings by late July, even early August. We're starting to take bookings again, right? Which, I mean, like you said, they do need like deposits and they do these things for their livelihood, but. Um, I can kind of see that happening as well, especially with things opening up now. That's number one. Number two, um, our venues have taken it into consideration, right? So if their normal capacity is 600, they're not going to let you do more than 300, 350. Got right, it. to have social distancing measures in place. Um, so that's helped along with the other side we've talked to them about. If it's still a problem, then what happens with our deposits and rescheduling and whatnot. And they've written that into the contract where, I mean, with this questionable time, like if they're willing to write in the contract and they haven't had too many complaints by other vendors as well, we kind of have to take them at their word for it and let them make whatever decision they see best fit um, for their company. Right. Sure. Uh, so have you and your wife, made a pretty explicit effort this time around to get some sort of protection from essentially something like COVID uh, within the contracts themselves with the vendors. So you know, basically like, are you trying to make sure that the contracts have protection for you if COVID or something like COVID uh, kind of 
prevents you from having your event or reduces it or something like that? Yeah, 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 definitely. That has been like the probably the first question with every vendor uh, that we've had, second only to um, if they're available on the date, right? And then we we pretty much ask that as our second question. Um, but even that being said, other than the the actual venue itself, every vendor that we had was pretty pretty accommodating with everything going on in the world. So we didn't have a problem getting any deposit back other than the venue. Okay, that's good. That's good. Have there been any other challenges? So I know the replanning, the biggest challenge was finding a v- vendors who are available. Like that was kind of like the biggest thing. Sound like you you and your wife tackled instead of like the actual budget. Are there Were there any other, and it also sounds like now you're also taking a more intentional approach towards, um, um, you know, cons- reviewing the contract, making sure that you have the appropriate protections. Right. Are there any other... Uh, things you've learned uh, that you think other couples should know as they go through the replanning process that you would want to share? Um, I mean, there's a few things. And to be honest with you, there's a few um, things I would tell couples to kind of consider more than things that we've already solved because we're still struggling with them, with them a little bit right now. Right? Okay. Like, for example, how to go about telling everybody your new date and when to tell everybody right which might seem trivial but for example if we were to tell them today it might be received a little bit differently than if we wait two or three weeks when things are starting to open back up and people have a better sense of safety and then tell them right can you you elaborate on that What, what do you mean by that so for example in seattle in two days they're starting to open back um up some like we're going hopefully into phase two in a very very short time period right so if we start telling people while we're still in phase one and people are still more questionable about how things are going about the new date of our wedding it might be taken a little bit differently and people would have more hesitation or not know exactly how to rsvp or how to respond right Whereas if we wait until after that phase two reopening happens and there's some sort of sense of safety back in the world and then tell the people it might be received a bit. I see. So, so have you sent out invitations of some, whether they're verbal invitations or formal invitations already? Are are you and your wife waiting to see how essentially phase two goes? We've, See, that's, that's the other thing as well. And it's the point that you mentioned before about like, if we would do our wedding with just like close family and like close friends, like the groomsmen and then cut the guest count down as well. Sure. Right. We need to take that into consideration as well. So we can't tell the whole world and be like, Hey, we need to cut the guest count back. You can't come anymore. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really like sit right. Sure. Do you get what I'm saying? I, so, so it's what kind you- of like, I'll go for it it's a tug of war between like, we've told obviously like our close family and the people that would be coming no matter what the restrictions are already. And then now it's a tug of war of like, we need to tell them so they have enough time to plan, but also we need to better know how many guests that we are allowed to have. And we need a better sense of safety for people to make that decision. Got it. I see. So what if you chose to send the invites first to like, that first tier of people earlier. And then if then you kind of wait to see how phase two goes or however long you want to wait, and then you 
kind of invite the rest of the people or not invite them, then you wouldn't have to worry about like inviting everybody and then uninviting some or all people. Yeah, I think that kind of works out already by itself, right? Because if we were to narrow it down, like by June 1st, it's going to be 50 people to a wedding. Then that really means it's like my wife's grandparents, her close uncles and aunts and close family. And then my grandparents, my parents, close uncles, whatever. Right. And those are people you normally talk to like pretty often. So you end up just telling them anyways, and they don't need like a official text invite or something like that. So that's kind of what we've been doing now is telling like that 50 people. And then we're waiting until it opens up more until we tell the Got rest it. of the people that we want. Yeah. Beyond the invites, are there any other kind of considerations or challenges that you've either solved or are trying to solve as you go through the rescheduling process? Um, that's probably been the main one for us. Um, it still gets to things like it, it, it all revolves around that, right? Like we still need a hotel room block and like, accommodations set aside for certain people, but we can't do that stuff until we know how much the guest count is, right? So it's just a domino effect of waiting for like the dominoes to fall before we can do certain things. I see, okay. That makes sense. Um, So, I mean, I'll kind of like recap what we talked about so far. So you had, you had the, for your original wedding day, you had one, your biggest dollar wise, your biggest vendor wasn't giving your deposit back. And to be frank, didn't seem like that that they were like super helpful. Right. And so you had to do your own due due diligence and look into the insurance that that vendor required you to, to purchase. And in the process, you discovered that that uh, that insurance company would actually give you most of your deposit back due to uh, the pandemic. The other thing is um, around uh, now in the rescheduling process, you've been more explicit about reading your contract and making sure that you know you at least trying your best to make sure that the contract now specifically protects you from uh situations like covid um and then now you're, you're trying to figure out what's the best way to uh to i guess manage the guest list and finally for you for you personally you know you know what what you would do if you had, were forced to possibly cancel or postpone the wedding uh, events again uh are there any like last points you want to raise before we wrap this episode up honestly i think that covered most of it um i think the focus is less on like being as extravagant within the budget as it was like before with indian weddings i think that's like a very very common theme right right to like being the safest within a budget and like the having the most peace of mind with whatever you're planning just the the mentality has changed a little bit which i think is a good thing just in itself even without the effects of coronavirus in mind but yeah okay awesome well uh really appreciate your time um if listeners have any questions about this episode they can always, uh, or even feedback, they can always send the plan events team a direct message on Instagram. Our handle is uh, planevents.ca. And I'll kill you can say yes or no. Do, do you want people, 
reaching out to you directly if they have questions or would you rather, you know, they can just DM plan events and we can kind of pass those questions along to you? I mean, I don't mind them reaching out for okay. me, to me for anything. I don't have anything to plug or anything. Okay. Like and, yeah, <laughs> and your Instagram handle, I believe is I'm a kill you, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm a kill you. I think it's either 37 or 91. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll include that handle in the uh, description of this podcast episode. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you for your time. Thanks for hopping on again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back. No problem. Have a good day and stay safe. Yep, you too. Bye.